So the scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 through 31. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, And we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, 
administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you still a more excellent way. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be there for a few minutes. Ephesians chapter 4, but we're going to look at a number of different scriptures this morning. We won't turn there to all of them, but we're, we'll read a number. We'll want to get started, though, in Ephesians 4. Gifts for the church, part 1. We are going to do what we've been doing through Ephesians, where uh, we'll stop and talk about a, a doctrinal matter in a little more detail to help us to be grounded in sound biblical doctrine. And this morning and next time, Lord willing, we'll be looking at spiritual gifts. So gifts for the church, part one. And and my intention is we'll have two parts, but we'll see. You never know how that goes. So, but I think we can do it in two, but we'll try. We could spend a lot more time on it, as you probably are aware. Uh, Spiritual gifts um, have raised a lot of controversy in recent uh, decades. But God has provided our salvation. He's provided the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also know that Scripture teaches that along with Christ, God having given us Christ, He has freely given us all things there from Romans 8. Among those are the rich spiritual blessings that we talked about at the, at the introduction of Ephesians there in chapter 1, verse 3. All those spiritual blessings that are ours. And among those spiritual blessings are what we come to here in Ephesians 4, those spiritual gifts. We all know that our foe, the devil, works to ruin our progress. He would love to love nothing better than to destroy the foundation of the church, to destroy the works that each of us tries to do. But we are confident that God's truth will triumph through us as we sing in A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And Martin Luther has us seeing in that things that are very important that sometimes our eyes miss Because he says what we have, in addition to Christ being given to us, we also have God's word, you know, that little word abideth, right? And, uh, you know, the way he says that, I love it, that little word, just one little word, you know, um, because that's all it takes to defeat Satan. We have God's word. We have God's spirit. But he also has us sing, the gifts are ours through him who with us sighteth. You remember that? We sing. And I don't know if you've realized, he's talking about spiritual gifts. We have Jesus, we have the Spirit, we have God's Word, and we have the gifts. And it is to those gifts that we turn our attention today. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you are a member of a local church, you can be assured that God has entrusted to you at least one spiritual gift. A gift for you to use in serving your church. Those of you who are considering membership know that God will equip you to serve your church family. Don't 
ever feel like. And some people do. They're like, well, you know, this is a very solid church, you know, and there's a lot of active people, and, you know, who am I to come in there? What can I contribute? You should not fear that. That is not up to you. The Spirit of God will gift you to serve your church. He will equip you to serve your church. So what is a spiritual gift? And we'll just start out with a definition here. A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered function, a spirit-empowered function entrusted to believers as stewards for serving the body of Christ. A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered function entrusted to believers as stewards for serving the body of Christ. And so as we go through our study this time and next, what we'll see as we walk through the main passages on spiritual gifts, how the different parts of that definition come to play and why I've included those in my definition uh, to try to bring in as much of that as possible into one brief statement that will hopefully help us to understand them better. Those four passages, the four main passages on spiritual gifts, should be easy to remember. There's two twelves and two fours. So you have Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Okay, and then once you get to those chapters, you can usually find them pretty easily. So uh, it should be easy to remember whenever you want to read up more about spiritual gifts in the Word. And what I'd like to do at this point is to read some of those. We've already read the 1 Corinthians 12 passage. And, and I know, yes, Paul does deal with gifts more as well in um, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. And, and we'll touch on some of that, but that's where he's dealing with the abuses. So, so Ephesians 4, look here at verses 11 and 12 first, and then we'll look at Romans 12 uh, here in just a sec. Ephesians 4... We looked at already verses 7 through 10 last time, and and what we're going to be looking at in a few weeks is this, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some, those, those gifts that he talked about, Christ's gift, he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And we'll come back to look at the rest of that in a little bit. But go over now to uh, Romans 12, one of the other uh, key passages. Romans 12, and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 8. <clears throat> now, I thought it would be helpful for us to kind of get these in our mind because I'm going to refer to them a lot. And I won't have us turn there a bunch of times. We wouldn't have time to do that. So just so you have it in your mind now. So Romans 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. In other words, had humility. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Okay, now 1 Peter chapter 4. Another short passage. 
First Peter four, we'll look at verses nine through ten or nine through eleven. First Peter four nine and verse nine is not the actual well, it's debatable. We'll talk about that too, okay, as to whether that's part of the spiritual gifts. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And just real quick, Peter looks at those mainly from speaking gifts and serving gifts. And we're going to... Uh, categorize them here just in a minute, but he doesn't go into quite as much detail um, as Paul does in Romans and especially in 1 Corinthians. So let's take a minute uh, to consider the spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament, and I want you to be able to see what we're talking about. If you haven't studied the spiritual gifts before, so that you'll know what I'm talking about, what some of those gifts are, and... Now, I'll have those in just a minute on some slides when we, we get there. Uh, we're going to talk next week about what each of those gifts means and, and what that, what does the Spirit of God do through that gift, or if you have that gift, what is it that you do? Uh, we'll talk about that next time. And I and others divide them initially in two ways. There are temporary gifts and ongoing gifts, okay? Now, that immediately gets us into controversy, okay? Because yeah, if, if, you've, if you've been around Christianity very long, you know that, that, that there's, okay, all of a sudden now the can of worms is open, and so I'm going to more or less shut it. It'll creep open a little bit as we go through today. We'll deal with it more next time. And so I'll tell you uh, next time why I believe it is that the Scriptures teach that there are some gifts that were temporary. and And so why it is that uh, we, as a church, are what we call cessationists. Okay, there's big terms to use there. It means we believe that some of the gifts have ceased, and then other folks are continuationists. They believe that, no, all of the gifts are still in existence in the church today. So we'll deal with that part of it more next week. So, But I also further categorize them by their function. Now, before we go into that, since I'm, I'm not going rogue here, and okay, so this is what we believe as a church. So uh, on the next slide, I'll show you from our doctrinal statement this. We teach that there were two kinds of gifts given to the early church. Miraculous gifts of divine revelation and healing given, given temporarily in the apostolic era, that is that first century era, for the purpose of confirming the authenticity of the apostles' message. And, secondly, ministering gifts given to equip believers for edifying one another. Okay. So that, that's the position of our church, and that's the position that I take. And, and so and that we'll be working with here in these lessons. Okay. So, first, I want to talk about categories of spiritual gifts. There are those first categories, as we've already talked about, temporary and ongoing. Okay, so... And I'm going to further categorize them a little bit differently than some others do, but hopefully you'll see why. And I think it 
will help us to better understand the gifts, doing it this way, but also to understand the whole controversy about whether or not there are gifts still, uh, some of them have, have ceased or not. So the temporary gifts, three categories of those, foundational gifts, and then there are revelatory gifts, in other words, where revelation, where God is actually speaking through that person, and then sign gifts, okay? And then ongoing gifts, these are the ones that I would say are, and our church holds to, that they are still present today, two groups, equipping gifts and service gifts. Okay, so now let's go in a little deeper, one level deeper, and look at categories. We're going to break them down a little bit more, okay? So, and just so you know, there's a lot of slides today, partly because I wanted you to have it so you can go back. You're not going to be able to write all this down. We're going too fast. There's a lot of information, and I want you to be able to have it. This is a different kind of message than our normal uh, exposition where we would just work our way through a passage. So what we're doing is we're taking a bunch of passages and pulling things together and covering a lot of information. So I know it's a lot of information, but hopefully you can, you can hang with me on that. So going down a little deeper, looking at the foundational gifts, the fa- first category of temporary gifts. Remember back when we were in Ephesians 2, verse 20, talked about us being built into this this spiritual house of God or this this dwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we as the church are being built together into that, right? And he, he said there that there was a foundation to that house. Now, you remember the cornerstone, the first part of that foundation was who? Jesus Christ, yes. He is the found, he is the cornerstone of the foundation. Then the foundation would be who? The apostles and prophets, yes, so New Testament prophets. So there in 2.20, Ephesians 2.20, he tells us that the foundation is made up of Jesus the cornerstone, and then you have the apostles and New Testament prophets, okay? That's what I'm talking about here with these foundational gifts, apostles and prophets, or prophecy and and we're going to see, like with prophecy, that this is a gift that is going to show up on multiple lists because it functions in different ways, has the same basic idea, but we're, we'll be developing that, okay? So you're going to see it show up on, on several, actually all three of these temporary lists. So the next group, revelatory gifts. Again, this is where revelation is coming through from God through a person to, to uh, in particular, a church for example. And and I've grouped them, and next time we'll look more closely at why I'm grouping them, but they go together and it'll help us to better understand them and to understand their nature so that you'll see what the Scriptures, I think, are saying about the temporary nature of these. So prophecy uh, is when God speaks through someone and with a with a message, the distinguishing of spirits in First Corinthians through twelve through fourteen, what we find there is that it is actually distinguishing or, or discerning the spirit that is supposedly that person's spirit and the spirit that's informing them with the prophecy. Okay? So it goes with prophecy. Okay. And you have the same kind of thing with tongues. So you have different kinds of tongues or languages, actually. 
and the interpretation of those tongues. They go together. And then Paul has paired up together in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And again, next time, we're going to go into this in more detail. So I'm just kind of giving you a little preliminary information. Okay. Now, let's go to sign gifts. Again, you show you see prophecy showing up again. Because prophecy is called a sign, but it's also a foundation gift. But it's also a way in which God reveals truth, okay, or, or did reveal truth. So it falls into all three of those. And, and then you see some of the others, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. But then three new ones, these are those... Uh, sometimes are more particularly called sign gifts when people talk about sign gifts. So you have uh, healing and miracles and, and then the, this gift of faith. And this isn't believing faith, like you, know, you have to have faith in Christ to be saved. This is not that. This is a special gift of faith. Okay, And, and again, we'll go into that in more detail next time. Now let's look at two more categories. I'm breaking down the ongoing gifts category between equipping and service gifts or serving gifts. So equipping gifts. These are the ones that are called out in that we saw in Ephesians 4. Okay, Because what we're going to see in a few weeks is that Paul is going to tell us that there are gifts that God has given to the church to prepare the saints, that would be you all, including we elders, all of us, to do the work of the ministry. So, so some of us are giving, given gifts to prepare everyone to do the work. Okay, And, and you're going to see that a lot of churches have this wrong in the sense that they say, okay, well, we're paying you, you do all the work. Okay, And you know the ministers do the work. Well, that is true, as long as you understand that biblically, you're all the ministers. Okay? And, and so it's not the paid staff, you know, or even the whole group of elders. We're not the ministers. We all are, right? And so, but there are some of us who are given gifts to prepare others to actually do the work of the ministry, okay? That's what equipping gifts are. These are evangelism, pastor, and teacher, okay? And so uh, the word for pastor, remember, means shepherd, so it could be seen as shepherding, um, Okay, so those are the equipping gifts. And then there are service gifts. These are the ones that are more particular the work of the ministry from Ephesians 4, okay, when he's talking about that, right? Helps or serving, the same gift more than likely in different passages. Now, another gift, administration, leading, probably the same gift. Encouragement, exhortation, just two words, depends on your translation, has something similar to that. Gift of encouragement or exhorting. It's more the idea of encouragement. The gift of giving, gift of mercy. And I put a question mark next to hospitality, okay? Some people make a case that hospitality is one of the gifts, so instead of there being 18, there'd be 19. So, And that's a maybe, and we'll talk about that a little bit. In First Peter 4... As I read one verse right before the actual gifts verses, he mentions hospitality there. And so some people look at that and say, yeah, I think that that's a gift. And when you think about people, there are some people who are who seem to be more gifted, spiritually gifted in in hospitality. And, and so that, that's a maybe. Uh, it might actually be a spiritual gift. Which brings us to a question is the, is the list, if we put all, say, 18 or 19 of those together and we have a list, is that exhaustive? Is that all of them? 
or there may be some that aren't listed in the New Testament. Maybe. Or maybe they're just not called a gift in the New Testament. They're, you know, something else. <clears throat> like hospitality, maybe. Uh, in the Romans 12 passage, he does mention hospitality, which is another another vote for it, maybe. Um, but he also, also mentions prayer. Now, he does mention some other things there, but things like love, and you know, which are fruits of the Spirit, right? So, what I would say to answer that is that the list exhaustive. I would say it, it might be, because if you think about it, whatever function you have in the church, you could fit it into any on or some someone some part on that list, or it may be a combination. Okay, so you might say, well, the ministry I have, I mean, it, you know, has there's teaching in there, but also encouragement and 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 you know maybe helps or something. These all together, administration, leading, right? <clears throat> so you can fit it into, and I haven't been able to think of anything. You might and you can tell me later if you do think of something that doesn't fit. And I can probably show you how it does probably fit, but you know. Um, so it may be exhaustive, and maybe that's all of them, and everything will fit into that. But then again, we have the is hospitality one or not, is prayer one or not. Um, I'd also ask, you know, are these gifts, hospitality, maybe prayer, are they gifts because some people are more particularly and consistently used by God's Spirit in these functions? That, That might show us that they are a spiritual gift. This is that God consistently in this person's ministry uses like hospitality. Or maybe they are someone who he uses in particular ways in prayer, for example. And that's a maybe. So I'm not going to die on that hill. Um, But those are just some thoughts. So now let's jump in and talk about purposes. We looked at different categories of spiritual gifts. You had the temporary and the ongoing, and then we broke those down basically between the equipping, uh, ones for today, equipping and serving. Now let's talk about purposes for spiritual gifts. And again, we're going to look at kind of all of them together uh, and the purposes. First, the temporary gifts. The focus of the temporary gifts was heavily on the universal church. Because if you think about it, part of the apostles and prophets being the foundation, not only for our church, but even more importantly, the foundation for the universal church, which is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 2. Okay, So, in that regard, those temporary gifts are going to be more heavily focused on the universal church. Okay, But they did have plenty of focus on the local church. So, let's talk about those three groupings of temporary gifts. First... Apostles and prophets are the foundational gifts. They laid the foundation for the church. What does that mean? Well, that means they planted the initial churches. They appointed the leaders in those initial churches. So the initial leaders they appointed. They established church government. How, how, do, we, how do we organize the, the rule of the church? And, and what about the roles? Whether that be roles between elders and deacons, roles between men and women, what are the who did that? Well, the apostles and prophets did that. The guidelines and requirements for worship. Okay, worship's not something that we just get to make up and do however we want to do. There are there are guidelines and scriptures to that regulate our worship, and they established those. 
in addition to what was already in the Old Testament. They also, and this is this is very key, they established the body of doctrine and practice by writing and authorizing the New Testament Scripture. So that's what we're talking about, the, the New Testament. The, the apostles either wrote those books or they authorized books written by men like Luke, for example, who was not an apostle with a capital A. And, and we'll talk about that next time when we talk about apostles, but... Uh, Luke was not one of those. He was not one of the twelve and Paul. Um, So, why do we have his writings in Scripture? Because the apostles authorized, they validated it, they they said, okay, this belongs in Scripture. I think here, 2 Peter 1.21, a key passage on the Scriptures, especially inspiration. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You know, and I know... You know, the world likes to say, well, you know, modern churches decided, you know, what's going to be Scripture and stuff. And No, not even close, you know. This was something that the apostles and the prophets determined what would be in the Scriptures because it had to be someone who was one of these men who was moved along by the Holy Spirit. He was filled or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Thinking here Second 2 Timothy 3.16, for example, right? And so... That was a key part of them laying the foundation. And you're going to see how that ties into, especially all this, uh, both with the temporary and the ongoing gifts. This is key. Basically, the reason why we had temporary gifts is because we didn't have the New Testament Scriptures yet. And the reason we don't need them now is because we have the Scriptures, right? Okay, so we'll see that develop. Sign gifts. Okay, the next category. They authenticated God's spokesman until we had, guess what? The New Testament Scriptures. Okay? So, you you think about Jesus was authenticated by signs, wonders. The apostles were. New New Testament prophets were, just like Old Testament prophets were. So, how do you know that this really is God's spokesman? There have been, even today, people who say, well, God told me, right? You ever heard that? And so they didn't have the completed New Testament. And so there would be things, well, there's a New Testament truth that God told me to tell you. Well, until we had the New Testament scriptures, we had to have some way of validating that. And that's where God would speak through these and he would show through sign gifts. This really is someone authorized to speak for him. And and remember, think here with the Old Testament um, a prophet who told, who predicted this is going to happen and then it didn't happen, what are you supposed to do? Take them out and stone them, right? Okay, there was a validation process. Okay, But there's also, and this is helpful to understand, things like sign, oh, tongues and prophecy. Because really the heart of what they were about, Paul says that tongues are assigned to unbelievers and prophecies assigned to believers. And what does that mean? Well, it, it means that it, when someone in the church was, was teaching, as I'm doing right now, preaching, well, you know, you could go be Bereans and go back to the Old Testament and, and see, but then there's going to be some New Testament things that aren't in the Old Testament, like the nature of the church, okay? What he's saying is that if there's an unbeliever here, just like in Acts 2, they might hear 
their language being spoken by somebody in the service, and of course had to be interpreted, but that person maybe heard it in their own language, they were convicted of their sin, and they recognized that God has authorized this person to be speaking, to be preaching. I need to pay attention. Same thing is happening with believers hearing it. Okay? Prophecy is assigned to believers. Okay? So... While someone may be speaking some things and they're saying some things that are new, didn't find them in the Old Testament, hey, what about that? Then these the prophecy would serve as a sign to believers that this is, this is someone who is validated, authenticated to speak, to be God's spokesman. Okay? Now, revelatory gifts. And I realize that this is a lot. It's like we're drinking from the fire hose. I get that. But it'll start clicking more as we go through it, and then especially next week when we go into each of these in more detail. Okay? Revelatory gifts. They provided divine wisdom and guidance to local churches until the New Testament scriptures were completed. So see, that shows up again. Until we have the New Testament. They provided divine wisdom and guidance. First Peter 4.11 passage there on the gifts. They spoke the utterances of God. Okay, That's what... It's revelatory gifts. So prophecy, like, for example, I know the Puritans would say that, you know, I as a preacher, I'm a prophet, and I would disagree with them. I love the Puritans. I agree with most, but I disagree with them on that. I'm not a prophet, okay? Because prophets spoke directly from God, always. Everywhere in Scripture, that's what prophecy means, is that they received a message from God, and they spoke that or wrote it, okay? I'm not doing that. I'm telling you what previous prophetic messages that are recorded in Scripture, what they mean. Okay? But those early churches, before they had the New Testament, there might be things that they like, well, is it okay for us to do this in worship? You know, like today, you know, it's like, well, we want to have, you know, this, you know, holy dance or something. Is that okay? Well, then God would provide... Word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, right? There's someone until they had the New Testament scriptures to show, okay, here's what you do and don't do in worship. Okay, those are the temporary gifts. What's the, what are the purposes of the ongoing gifts? Now, the focus here is primarily on the local church. And that's what we find when we look at these passages on spiritual gifts, is the focus is on the local church. It's on that body, you believers serving your local body. That's where the emphasis is. Okay? So, first, there are those equipping gifts to equip believers to do the work of the ministry, which we've already talked about a little bit in Ephesians 4, and we'll come back to that in a few weeks. Then, what about these serving gifts? First, they were to build up the church. In what way? Well, at least three ways. Unity, which, remember, that, that's the whole point of Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, right? That's why we, come, why we came to this topic of spiritual gifts. is because spiritual gifts, the diversity of gifts, is, is one of the key ways in which God enables us to, to preserve the unity that He has given us. So... Uh, so you got Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 you know, is a key, another key passage. Uh, in verse 25, Paul says there that there should be no division in the body. And the Corinthians had a lot of problems with divisions, right? You read earlier in the book. And Paul is saying, okay, one of the reasons they had divisions is because they were abusing the spiritual gifts, which he deals with in 12 through 14. And he says in there, it's like, if you get this right, it, it won't cause divisions. 
Because gifts are supposed to bring us together, supposed to help unify us. And that ought to make us ask questions. Okay, you know, all the teaching about spiritual gifts today, we think about the divisiveness that that has caused. And that should make us think, okay, what's going on here? What's wrong? Because they should be producing unity. Second, maturity. Um, it's for the edification of the church, First Corinthians 14 and Ephesians 4, until the church is a, quote, mature man, Paul will say. So we're going to be working toward maturity. And then what is that maturity? Then the next one, Christ-likeness. And so it's back in Ephesians 4 real quick. You can turn there if you'd like. And let me read. Verses 13 through 16, continuing what we started earlier. The building up of the body of Christ, what to what end? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, so it's, it's that we become like Christ and measure up to Him. In his image, his character. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, According to the proper working of each individual part. See, here's, that's the spiritual gifts, right? The, the proper working of each part. You are a part. I am a part. And our proper working is what builds all of this maturity in Christ-likeness. And it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And then continuing on, uh, another purpose of these uh, serving gifts to care for the needs of other members. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12, caring for the needs of other members. You can see where things like helps, serving, uh, giving, mercy, uh, those all fall into that. And then the ultimate purpose. Peter draws this out in 1 Peter 4.11. It's to glorify God. Exercise your gifts so that in all things God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Okay, so that those are the purposes, main purposes of spiritual gifts. Now, what what are some points about the character of spiritual gifts? First, spiritual gifts originate from God and they operate by His power. They're from God. It's His power. So we say on this verse, the source is the Trinity. And I just, I love how Paul does this. Here, the same author in three different passages. In, in Romans 12, it's God the Father that he has in mind, that the gifts come from God the Father. But then you think about 1 Corinthians 12, he says, oh no, it, it's the Spirit. You know, and then Ephesians 4, we've already seen. Who is it there? Guess who? God the Son, Christ. Okay? And, and so the, the, all three members of the Trinity are involved in giving these gifts. And they're given to us sovereignly. In other words, God is sovereign in giving them. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, Distributing to each one individually just as He wills. As God, here the Holy Spirit, wills. He gives the gifts. Okay, so we don't say, hey, hey, Holy Spirit, I, I want this gift. And it didn't work that way. He's like, I already decided what gifts I'm giving you. Um, another passage in, it's quite a, 
big chunk of 1 Corinthians 12, God has appointed in the church, and then he goes through and lists some of the gifts. The power of these gifts is the Holy Spirit. And he determines what the effect is going to be. So when you get ready to exercise your spiritual gift, he determines what the effect is going to be. Okay, he, he determines that, and then he produces it. There, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 6, and then verse 11, we find Paul using that term we've seen, energeia, we get energy from it. Okay, that active power. And he says the Holy Spirit is the active power in those gifts. And so in English we have where First Corinthians twelve six, God works all things in all persons. So it's He works them. And then twelve eleven, the Spirit works all these things. It, the Spirit is the is the active power, producing what He wants to accomplish. But then in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he calls spiritual gifts a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it's a way in which the Spirit reveals Himself. He manifests Himself. He reveals that He's working through a believer. He energizes the gifts. He accomplishes His will through it. And, and He reveals that, I'm here. I'm active. And just to, to share with you, and I've shared this uh, with some of you already, but you know, I know a lot of people today that say, "Oh, you know, my faith would be encouraged if I could see signs, or if I spoke in tongues, or if I did this or did that." Well, well, you know, the sign gifts. I mean, yeah, that would be cool to see those things happen if they were real, what they saw in the first century. But we're not paying paying good attention today. Because, you know, like when I'm counseling, I've counseled people long enough for many, many years to know that I am not capable of changing you. I'm not even capable of changing me. And so, and the Holy Spirit regularly humbles me because, you know, I'm in counseling and sometimes somebody will start sharing, you know, what their need is. And, you know, and this doesn't happen too much anymore because I'm, I'm learning my lesson. But there have been times where I thought, yeah, I got this. And the Holy Spirit shows me real quick that I don't got it. And, and so, and all of a sudden I find myself quickly and desperately crying out, Holy Spirit, help even with something that seems like a routine issue. But the beauty of that is that when they change, guess who gets all the glory? It's not me. And guess what that does for me, though? I, I don't... In those moments, I have zero doubt that there's a God. I have zero doubt that I'm a child of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working. I saw him work. And, you know, yeah, I would love to see somebody raised from the dead, but I would much rather see your heart change. And and so, my encouragement to you is this, a couple things here. One, you want to have that kind of that, that assurance and, and to see the manifestation of the Spirit? First, serve. Get busy. Serve. Okay? And then, number two, pay attention. 
Watch to see what the Spirit will do. Now, granted, not every time that you use your gift does are you able to see something. But if you watch and pay attention, you'll see the Spirit working. Just stay busy and serve and watch. Watch for what the Spirit does. Now, second word of encouragement to you. Don't think, oh, you know, a spiritual gift is, is when somebody's good at... Okay, you're already going down the wrong road there. Okay? Because generally when someone is good at, they're operating in their own power. And they sometimes think, well, I don't really need the Spirit. They don't say that. They maybe don't think that, but they, that's how they act. I'm just serving, serving, serving because I'm good at this. And, you know, it's like with my preaching, okay? I can convince myself that I'm good at exegesis and things like that. And that stuff, okay, I can say I'm good at that because I've done it a long time. But that has... The Spirit uses that. But I might, let's say that, pretend that I did a flawless job of, of exegesis. That does not mean that you're going to be ministered to. It has to be the Spirit of God working through the gift of teaching to minister to you, you see. And here's the encouragement. You might say, God has put it on my heart to be more involved in the gift of helps, helping people. But I'm not really good at that. In fact, I'm pretty weak. That's the encouragement. Because when you go to that, you say, Spirit of God, I'm weak in this, but you've laid it on my heart to do this. I know now that you're going to get all the credit for it when you do good things through it. So don't think, well, you know, I'm not so good at that. Don't worry about that. It doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. It matters if the Holy Spirit's good at it. You be faithful and serve. Okay? So you might be weak. In a sense, we maybe should say, we hope you're weak. That's when you will be used. A faithful person who recognizes their weakness and they depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. That is who He uses. Okay. Second thing. I'm going to speed up here a little bit. Spiritual gifts are given to believers. They're given to each believer. All the four passages say that. Each believer is given a spiritual gift. Uh, another point of that on that. No gift is given to all believers. I was going to have us read the First Corinthians 12 passage again, but Terry had us read through that. Remember there, you know... The, in the recent decades, people say, oh, you know, if you're really spiritual, you'll, you know, and you know what I'm talking about, you'll have this gift. Except in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says not everybody has that gift. It's like, okay, there's a big problem there. Who am I going to believe, Paul or popular people today? I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going with Paul. Romans 12:4. all members do not have the same function. That's pretty clear to me. The diversity of gifts is God's plan. We saw that last time, didn't we? And all these other passages. 
Romans 12, 6. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Next, gifts are confirmed by the church while they're in use. Remember, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. So you want to know, how do I know what my gift or gifts are? Serve. And the church will recognize, wow, I think you have the gift of teaching. I think think you have the gift of helps or giving or encouragement. That's how you know the church recognizes that the Spirit is using that gift. Okay? That's how you know. There isn't a test for it. With that, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. And this becomes a big problem because sometimes people with a natural talent for something, they, we tend to think that, wow, they really are gifted. And we use that term gifted. And I try hard not to use that term. Because sometimes they're not gifted. I mean, you can have men who, you know, we've all known stories of you know, men who were in the pastorate for decades and then they get saved, at the, you know, way after that. Okay, that wasn't the spiritual gift. That was a natural talent. Okay, the same as, as with all these gifts. Okay. And it's not a personality type. Again, remember the weakness. Oh, it's the outgoing person that should be a teacher. Well, I shouldn't be up here. I'm not outgoing. Okay, I don't like being up in front of people. Okay, but it's not personality types. Next, how many gifts do we receive? Some people teach you only get one gift, and that's because two of the passages use the singular. But really, I think what's happening there is that the gift, like Ephesians 4, that Christ's gift, it is a unique package given to you. That's the idea of the gift, and it's any... A combination of one or more of those gifts that are designed to meet the needs of the local church, and they're unique to each person. So there's no one in here who will have exactly the same package, if you will, okay? So it's like, you know, you receive your birthday gift, and, and there's a bunch of little things in there, okay? That's the idea. And then, I love this. So each believer's giftedness is uniquely beautiful. A quote from John MacArthur. Each believer's spiritual giftedness is unique, as if each were a spiritual snowflake or fingerprint. In other words, they're beautiful and unique. It is as if God dips His paintbrush into different colors or categories of gifts on His spiritual palette and paints each Christian a unique blend of colors. I love that. But that's, I think, what the Scriptures are teaching about spiritual gifts. Okay? So you at least have one. You may have more, okay? Probably have more. At least in my experience, I've seen with people. So, and then last thing. Gifted believers are given to the church to meet its needs. That is the New Testament focus, is on the local church, the needs of the local church. Uh, quickly, give the spiritual gifts are given for the church's good, for the common good, Paul says. They're given for us to care for one another. When we suffer together, he says, uh, Romans 12, different, there are different functions within the church. Peter says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another, not serving yourself. They're primarily designed to build up the church. They're for primarily the local church, to build it up. And, and I don't believe that today God gives gifts apart from the ministry of local churches. Um, I don't find that there are itinerants that, you know, people that just, you know, 
They have their own ministry, they got this gift, and they have their own ministry, and they do their own thing. And I don't see that in the New Testament. Um, now, there are people who are used outside of their own church, but they're, they should primarily be used in their church. Okay? And, and I believe that the gifts should operate under a local church's authority. Think about this. Even apostles were authorized and sent out by local churches. Church of Jerusalem, Church at Antioch. Paul didn't just say, hey, I'm going out and do my thing. The church set him aside to that work and then sent him out. And he was an apostle. So there's a sense in which you, member of GBC, have been given by God as a gift to this church. And, and Ephesians 4, and I think it's uh, one of the other passages too that talks about um, the people. Apostles were given. Teachers were given. You know, evangelists. It's talking about the people. You, believer, you've been given to this church as a gift. Gifts are a stewardship from God. They're to be used responsibly and faithfully. The First Peter 4 passage calls, says that this is a stewardship. So be careful to put to use what God has entrusted to you. So for some of you, are you ready to take up this stewardship that's been entrusted to you and to start using your gifts, the gifts He's given you? And for others who have been using your gifts, are you ready to take your gifts to the next level? As Peter and Paul both say, excel still more. That doesn't necessarily mean be more busy. But as we focus on the spiritual gifts, and we can say, Lord, are there some ways you want to use me that I've not been used? So, let's give some thought to this this week, next week, and some weeks after that as we continue on through Ephesians 4. Think about how does God, how does He use you? How might He use you? If you have no idea, start asking, how do you think God might use me? And start serving and see how He uses you. As we come to the Lord's Supper, I want to go back to the mighty fortress is our God. Remember that verse? Did we in our own strength confide? We had confidence in our own strength. Our striving, all of our effort, would be what? Losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? The answer? Christ Jesus, it is He. And it's to Him that we turn here at the table. Because it's He is the one who has secured these gifts for us through His death and resurrection. And in, in, in His ascension, remember, we saw that last time, He gave gifts to men, to us. Through His death and resurrection, He has secured these for us. His death means a lot, a lot of things. This is one we shouldn't lose sight of. His death, His resurrection, His ascension mean that we now have the ability to serve Him effectively. And so let's meditate on that and His work 
there on the cross in particular as we partake of the Lord's table.